It's not data that we need. It's not data that we want. And so the only reason why we're doing all of this and why it sounds complex is because we have these legal obligations uh, everywhere in the world. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom, the Bitcoin capital of the world. How are you all doing? Did you have a good weekend? Did you? My house nearly burned down, so I had a weird weekend. Anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, who I'm using exclusively for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Pascal and Matt from Ledger, where they're going to be answering some of your questions. But before that, I do have a message from my show sponsors, and we're kicking off today with Gemini, who is my new exchange sponsor, and who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin, but we're only buying right, especially with this big-ass dip. We're hodlers. We've got diamond hands. We are only buying, and I've been using Gemini now since I onboarded them. I've been buying the dips with Gemini, and I've also set up my dollar cost averaging, and I'm doing twice monthly buys through the app, and I'm yet to see a better or easier app for buying Bitcoin. And I do want to give a massive shout out and thanks to Cameron Tyler for supporting the show. I spent a lot of time talking to them before they became sponsors, talking about ideas relating to supporting Bitcoin. And it's an open book. They said, Pete, come to me with any idea you've got, which is super cool. I'm really enjoying working with the Gemini team. But if you want to check them out yourself, please do head over to Gemini.com, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com. And next up, we have BlockFi. Now, BlockFi is the future of Bitcoin and financial services, and they offer a number of products for Bitcoiners, of which I also use. I am also a customer. Now, with a BlockFi interest account, you can earn yield on your Bitcoin. I've been using the product for nearly two years and I've been letting my Bitcoin work for me. I love the product. But also with BlockFi, you can get a Bitcoin back loan. You can borrow money against your Bitcoin without even selling. And you can also now register for a BlockFi credit card, which is launching imminently and will be offering 1.5% rewards back on all cards purchases in Bitcoin. How cool is that? Now, if you're interested in checking out, I do recommend you do your own research and then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. And next up, we have Ledger, who are part of the show today. Now, Ledger is the world's most popular hardware wallet, and I have been a customer of theirs since 2017. So when they became a sponsor, I was more than happy because I still use the product I bought back then today, that same Nano S now, a hardware wallet allows you to take custody of your Bitcoin, and with the Nano S, you can also connect that to Ledger Live to manage your Bitcoin on the go, which is their cool and easy-to-use interface. And also, if you're an Android user, you can also connect it to your phone. If you want to find out more, please do head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Okay, so onto the show today, and I'm joined by Ledger CEO Pascal Gauthier, and we are also joined by Matt Johnson, who is Ledger's new Chief Information Security Officer. Now, as many of you know, last year Ledger suffered a data breach, which led to over 270,000 customer data records being stolen and published online. The data included things like email addresses, phone numbers, and even physical addresses. Now, in December, I did a show with Pascal where we went over this in detail. And if you want to go and check that out, that was episode 290. And then since then, I've taken Ledger on as a sponsor of the show. They reached out to me and said, Pete, can we sponsor the show? And listen, it wasn't a sponsorship I took easily. I did have to think about it. I did speak to a couple of prominent Bitcoiners about it and what they thought. I got their advice. And so when I agreed that Ledger could become a sponsor of the show, I said to them, one of the conditions is, is that they need to come back on the show and answer customer questions or listener questions if they have them. And they were more than happy to do that. So this is why we've got Pascal back on the show today, but we're also joined by Matt Johnson. Now, in preparation for this show, I did do an AMA on Twitter. I did collect up all your questions. We didn't get to get through everything, but I put all the most important prominent ones first. So if I didn't answer something that you think is important, you can reach out to me. You've got my email address. If you listen regularly, it's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Reach out to me. I will deal with anything I can to help you, any questions you have. Now, outside of that... It's a lovely sunny day, and it's a good day for buying Bitcoin. I hope you're stacking stats. If you do want to also check out my newsletter, that's at neveredit.com. That's your daily dose of tech, macro, and Bitcoin. Outside of that, have a crushing week, and I will see you all later. Pascal, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Peter. I'm great. Thank you for having me and having us today. You're welcome. Very welcome. And Matt, nice to meet you for the first time. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, Peter. Nice to meet you too. Very good to be here. So my audience have been introduced to Pascal before. They're, uh, they are aware he is uh, the chief honcho over at 
Ledger, but they haven't met you before. Do you want to just introduce yourself and explain why you're joining us today? Yeah, sure, Peter. So um, I'm Matt Johnson. I uh, joined Ledger early January. Um, I am the Chief Information Security Officer. Now, my background is I uh, started uh, in policing. So I used to actually be a policeman with the Australian Federal Police. Uh, you can hear the accent. I'm I'm actually an Australian, but I've been uh, living internationally and abroad for more than the last 20 years. So most recently, my uh, other roles, you know, including Group CSO, Group CISO for uh, some fairly large financial organisations. So uh, very pleased to be here and pleased to have joined Ledger at these uh, in this t- challenging time. Yeah, so you joined Ledger uh, after uh, an incident that we, we're all aware of. We've discussed before. Pascal was uh, came onto the show, discussed that before. Uh, I, I guess the first question is for me is in joining and being aware of what happened. You know, how did you approach the role? What specifically have you been looking at with regards to Ledger? And, and obviously, you're there to improve the security of Ledger and, and customer data. How have you approached this? Yeah, sure. So, um, what was was aware, and it obviously all dropped just prior to my joining. So, I very much had to hit the ground running. Um, so, tackled and approached this as I've done for uh, a number of other organisations where we've we've been involved in uh, incidents. So, first of all, going back to the bare basics about you know what is the data that we hold, why do we hold it, what do we need to do, what are the internal process flows, and basically driving right underneath the uh, the bonnet there to go. Do we actually need to hold and retain this? Do we actually need to be passing that as part of shipping, fulfillment, warranty purposes? You know, does that really need to be required there? And then basically stripping and pairing that all the way back to go, what is the absolute minimum we need to hold? What's the shortest period of time that we can do? And at the, at the same time, being able to um, keep within the uh, the legal bounds that we, uh, we have to for, you know, various reasons, as I mentioned, warranty, but there's also, you know, taxation issues shipping, customs, all of those parts that we've got to be able to balance. So, I've put the challenge out there to, um, to Ledger and the, uh, the teams to go, how can we do even better? How can we go beyond the uh, the auspices of things like GDPR and what's required there for holding that information and go, actually, we want to be even more brutal. Um, it's more important to me and to us that we actually retain our customers and our clients trust and faith rather than me being able to go actually I can do you know follow through on sales and marketing it's more important to me that we've got that uh, that trust and confidentiality with them okay great Pascal uh, great to see you again um, we've done a couple of interviews before we've hung out in I think it was in Hong Kong um, got to know you a little bit uh, and, and I know I'm sure like for you with wanting to run ledger especially during a bull market you do just want to focus on product and business and growth and want to put this behind you but I, I appreciate you coming on because uh, it's two couple of months now ago since Benoit approached me and uh, asked to sponsor the show uh, which I did have to consider you know strongly but I did speak to some people uh, and the consensus was from those that I trust that despite what happened, it's actually very important for the security of the industry that we have a robust and competitive marketplace for hardware devices. Uh, and uh, I, I guess you have an opinion on that as well. I will second exactly what you just said. I think you know security is paramount for this industry uh, in general. Um, hardware security is the best way to do security for, for this industry. And I think it's important that Ledger and all the others actually, you know, compete in this market to bring the best products to to the end users that then will make the decision on whether they want to use Ledger products or not. Uh, but I think, you know, because the security of the private key is such an important issue for this industry and the endpoint security is the weakness of every blockchain, I think, you know, we all need to work very hard to increase uh, the security barrier, and we've seen in the past, has to do with the device, and you know I think we Ledger is doing a great job at this. But it also has to do with everything around, and this is why you know Matt joined because security is not just the device, it's not just the hardware security; it's everything else that we can put around our customers to make sure that their experience is uh, ever more secure. Okay, well. Like as I say, I, I had to consider the, the sponsorship carefully. Uh, uh, one of the conditions of of working with you was that we can have this direct relationship that I can speak to you directly, that I can uh, build this bridge between questions people have 
regarding Ledger and the community, um, and you've given me that, so I appreciate that. Just so people know, uh, Pascal has pretty much said I can speak to him whenever I like and bring to him any idea. So I think that's important. I think building that bridge is super important, so I appreciate that. Um, so I do have questions. I did put out a, a, an AMA onto Twitter to ask uh, to allow people to ask the questions. I, I won't ask all of them because some of them um, were a bit pointless, but I, I have collected them up. Uh, I just think... Uh, not everyone will have heard the previous interview. Should we just do a, a, a reminder of what actually happened? I don't know if you want to handle that, Matt, if you're uh, fully up to speed or that's something Pascal will handle. So, so look, there, there, there are two two very distinct elements here that we need to um, to, to look at. So, um, first and foremost, there was uh, an issue with some third-party development and, uh, and an API key was left available and accessible in a location that it shouldn't have been. And uh, that API key um, enabled uh, you know, malicious individuals to obtain um, some records from us. And we received a, a mail in July notifying us, making us aware aware that that was there the same day that we received that um, that email um, we are actually that was fixed that was all done so a couple of days we looked into that and we notified the French data protection authority um, and then ran some um, uh, forensic analysis we got the report back on the uh, the 29th of July from the uh, the forensic um, uh, organization that ran the report for us and we communicated out to what we believed were the impacted uh, customers of ledger at that time and uh, so did a notification out to them to say, hey, look, this is what's happened. We put statement up on our, our websites to say, you know, this has happened, be aware, uh, and, and went there. Now, unfortunately, at the same time, um, in the background of all of this, on the, um, the, the 18th of April and on the 16th of June, um, there were basically rogue agents um, working for a, an organisation that we use for uh, order fulfilment. Now, what they did was they had legitimate access to the systems and they then downloaded uh, copies of all of the data that we were using for um, shipping devices out to people. Um, so, as I said, that was on the 18th of April and the 16th of June. Now, we didn't become aware of that. Um, they, they went public on the, uh, the 23rd of September as an organisation to say that these individuals had accessed more than 200 merchants, but we were not identified or um, you know, uh, publicly acknowledged that actually our data was in amongst that. Um, and it wasn't until the 23rd of December uh, that they actually came to us and said, oh, and by the way, um, your data was included in all of this. And that was actually after the, um, the, the full public da- uh, dump of that data on the database on the, uh, on the 20th of December. So we were sort of caught a little bit on the back foot believing we'd done all of the right things, notified our customers, We'd notified the uh, the re- relevant data protection authorities, um, had those conversations. We'd done the forensics. The forensic report was very specific in what it believed, um, you know, was the data that had been accessed. But ultimately, that you know wasn't correct. Um, we then noticed that there was a, um, a a broader series of attacks that had been started and commenced on on our customers. So we started seeing, um, you know, these coming out. In, in early October. And so what we did was we we did some very proactive email warnings out to our users about these, these targeted phishing campaigns. And what we saw sort of from around about the 22nd of October was that this really started to, to ramp up. So what we suspect has happened in the background is that the, the database has been acquired by particular threat actors and they've stood up a, a very specific number of campaigns. So from this, we've you know doubled down on education, awareness, communication, with our customers. So not only have we told those who we believed impacted in the first instance a couple of months prior, we then sent out email warnings to our customers to say, look, be aware, scams, phishing attacks. And, you know, anybody who goes to ledger.com will see a, a very prominent banner at the uh, the top of the page that says, you know, beware of these ongoing scams and attack. And if you click on that link, it brings you through and we're continuously updating that with 
all of the uh, the new scams and schemes that we're seeing. Uh, we update the stats and the metrics. You know, we've taken down over over 300 um, websites that have been associated um, with with these phishing campaigns and attacks. We work with a number of external organisations to not only identify them but to take them down, but to also look at where we can, um, you know, get information that uh, leads us to be able to track funds um, that are being used and taken by by these scammers um, and to, to try and track those those wallets. We've also gone and doubled down on the education uh, part there. So if you go through the uh, the Ledger Academy, um, there are a lot and a lot of material there around how to keep yourself safe. You know, and once again, I'm sorry, I'm going to take this moment to to reiterate to everybody yet again: Ledger's never going to ask you for your pin or you for your 24 words. If it's not a pin you've created, if it's not the 24 words that you've generated, you know, you've got to treat it as suspect. Always validate the address that you're sending any funds to because you and you alone are in sole and total control of your funds and assets that are um, that, that are protected by your by your nano. So, you know, I've just got to um you know, continue to replay that as a message and go, you know, never share it. We'll never ask for it. You know, it's like you're the old days, you're banking your pen, you know, you, 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 you get told and we all learnt and got educated that you never share that. Likewise, we don't need it. We don't want it. We will never ask you for it. If somebody does, they're trying to do something bad. And alongside all of this, we went, look, Matt, and, can and I, this is, sorry, can, can, I, can, can I just, uh, a couple of questions I've got just before you go on from that bit. So specifically with regard to the API key, some people won't even know what an API key is. Can you just explain what that is? Sure. Uh, API key is an application programming interface and basically it's a, um, uh, a key that you need to enable you to access particular functionality. And this, in this instance, it was enabling a call to the back end that would then actually deliver data. So okay. they use that key to unlock and basically read off the, the data if I uh, try and break it down into the simplest of terms. And was that like a third-party company you work with for distribution of devices? No, no. So, sorry, there are there are two things here. One was a, um, a third-party organisation that we were using to assist in development, um, mm-hmm. and it was through one of theirs. But you know, to once again to be very very clear, they were you know working for Ledger on doing the development work um, that the individual left the key that was exposed. The second part that I refer to was an organisation that, uh, that we use and still use for uh, order fulfilment and distribution. Correct. So there were the t- that was where the customer service agents were involved and downloaded the data from the uh, order fulfillment and distribution organization. Yes. So, um, speaking to various companies involved in Bitcoin, whether it's exchanges, uh, Kraken used to be a sponsor. I spoke to their head of security, uh, speaking to Casa. One of the things that they have to do is have very kind of robust internal procedures for protecting against rogue staff or staff even being exploited. Uh, through social attacks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I'm assuming Ledger has something similar, uh, but when you start working with, say, third parties, whether it's say it's a development company, you suddenly have uh, exposure to that data from people working from that company. Have you had to change things so in future when you're working with companies like that, somebody can't just make an API call and and, and take a copy of your data? How does that yeah. work now? Yeah, yeah, Peter. So, I mean, absolutely, and and this is something that you know. Once again, since I've I've come on board and we've completely relooked at the uh, the, the data and potential for exposure from data, um, we're also going back and re-examining all of the third parties that we're using with where those data flows go through to make sure that they've got the appropriate data controls. Revalidating because you know when we first started working with them, we we validated and said you know what are the controls? How are you protecting this data? You know, how do your individuals have access to it? So going through each and every single one of them to make sure that the controls that they have in place are commensurate with the controls that we have internally, not only just around the the people and the staff and potentially vetting, but things like, um, you know, logging and monitoring and going, hang on, 
why is that agent now suddenly downloading such vast numbers or such vast volumes of data touching so many uh, so many of our, our customers or so many merchants? Um, so then also going back to some of those organisations specifically and saying, you know, you need to do better, you need to change these things. And indeed, they have very much stepped up to the plate as well, acknowledging, well, actually, maybe having our customer service agents being able to do that legitimately isn't the right need. So we will reduce the numbers of people who have access to that, reduce the um, the, the scope for them being able to, to potentially abuse. And if it is being used, knowing that we've got the right auditing and uh, logging and monitoring uh, available to that. I think, I think the one biggest fear people have uh, as Bitcoiners is access to their address information more than anything. Um, uh, uh, there's different levels of attacks. If it's your phone number, maybe you can get SIM swapped. If it's your email, you can get phished. Uh, with uh, uh, home address data, people fear somebody knocking on their door knowing they're a Bitcoiner. So you've talked about you can analyze and see if someone's accessing and and, and uh, trying to download vast volumes of data. But there's even risks, I guess, if somebody is just looking through and finding individual, just individual addresses. Um but I don't know the solution to distribution, how you actually arrange the form of distribution of a device like this, but do not expose uh, somebody to that kind of risk. What exists for something like that? What can you actually do? Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and you know, once again, coming from a law enforcement background, I can understand why people have these concerns and, and why it is potentially worrisome to them. Uh, absolutely get that. Now, um, it is very difficult and it's very challenging to be able to deal with this specific one. You know, one of the things that we always say is, you know, you don't use a personal home address, so you can have device shipped to, to work. If your employer is happy for you to have personal deliveries made to it, otherwise there are uh, other organisations that will allow, you know, the, um, for, for drop boxes or PO boxes or parcel delivery centres that you can actually use to be able to do it. But one of the, the challenges that we have and, and you know, exposure to, um, you know, a, a number of serious incidents over the year with things being posted, um, you know, that you don't want to be opening up yourself, um, you know, that that some some regions, some countries, um, you know, they don't like having these postal drop boxes anymore. So it makes it very, very difficult in being able to, um, to, to ship these because you still need, at the end of the day, a physical shipping address, which is what most of us use would be the, um, the, the home address. So it is a, it is a very, very challenging um, uh, problem for us. And once again, one of the things that we we always go back to is, you know, you say you try not to expose that. I personally have other things shipped to PO boxes um, where I go down, but that's not always possible for people, and it's not always convenient. Okay, is there any way you guys can obfuscate what, what the delivery is? And have you have you guys even considered handling the, the, the? I guess what I'm saying is the first point of distribution yourselves, rather than going through a third party. Right. Okay. So, so on the obfuscation of the data, I mean, that is very much something that we are doing as part of all of that data review and process and what's being held. But at the end of the day, there still needs to be something that goes through to a, a dispatch organisation to be able to take it off and put a label on it to print off and say, that's the address that that needs to be shipped to. But we're again looking at the minimisation that once that's done, you know, can we actually remove all of that and hold it back to obfuscated, um, you know, records that then if we need needs to look at things like returns, warranty, um, you know, uh, chargebacks that we can actually still do all of those things. Yeah. Okay, so that takes. Take, sorry, actually, I interrupted you. Were you about to? Yeah, yeah. So, so what what I was talking through was was with the actual timeline of the incident. You know, um, one of the other comments was was around not only just um, what happened, the exposure uh, of the data via those mechanisms, the notifications out to the other uh, customers, but when we became aware of this ramp up of attacks, one of the other things we did was we doubled down. Now, something that's important to me is, um, you know, not just the safety and security of of Ledger and Ledger as a device. Device, but to all of the Bitcoiners and for everybody else coming out into you know crypto or alternative payments market is that they need to understand that the ecosystem is safe and secure. So 
what what I did, you know, after talking with Pascal and the rest of the organisation was we raised what we call the um, the, the fishing bounty. So we put a, a, a sum in there of 10 bitcoins and we said, this is going to be part of our fighting fund. And I've been reaching out to other organisations to see if they're willing to also contribute towards that. And what we do with this is we've, we've created a uh, contact me- mechanism to ask people that if they have, um, you know, novel new information that directly leads to the identification, arrest and prosecution um, of individuals that we would then make a uh, a payment, so a, a reward for them coming forward for either their time and research or coming forward for, um, you know, with the information to allow us. Because it's not just about protecting not only our customers, but for me, it's also about making sure that the ecosystem in which we play is seen as being safe and secure and trustworthy not the wild, wild west where, you know, scammers abound and, you know, any anything and everything can happen. So really looking at trying to be able to, uh, to, to do with that. And that's why we're also going, you know, working with law enforcement, working with, um, you know, all of these other external organisations on doing the tracking, tracing, shutdown of websites, you know, removal of the abilities of the scammers to do this. Um, but, you know, as, as fast as we do that, we're seeing more stuff standing up and, uh, you know, it is a, uh, you know, we, we are very attractive targets within this this within this space yeah okay and Peter I, I just want I just want to say one thing which is everything that Matt just explained is all documented online has been documented online for a long time and we've done we've published actually many things uh, whether it's on our website or on YouTube uh, Matt actually did several interviews going into you know detail of everything that we just described in a few in a few minutes. And I, I often hear the comments or I often read the comment on Twitter that, you know, uh, Ledger is trying to hide. We're trying to uh, sort of shy away from the problem, that we're not telling the truth. I think, you know, we are trying to be as open and transparent as we can, publishing everything uh, as soon as we, as we have it, trying to communicate with our users as soon as we can uh, and giving them all the information that we have at the time that we give the information. And what, what Matt, everything that Matt explained is well documented online. And so when I read people to say uh, that Ledger only sent one email uh, a few months ago, actually, that's not true. We've done a lot and we'll continue uh, in doing a lot in the sense that we understand that this problem is not going to go away uh, just like that and that we need to do a lot of work to, to, to make it right. Uh, with everything that Matt said, you know, around... Uh, uh, looking uh, for, for for the guys who did that uh, and and the hackers and to prosecute them, you know, I think this is very important to us. And probably, you know, if we if we if we get there, that will be a, a an important day for for Ledger and the and the community. Have you made any progress with identifying who the hackers are and prosecuting? Is there anything you can talk about with that? Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can talk about it to say, yes, we have made some very, very good progress and Great. we're actually working with, uh, with with law enforcement across a number of jurisdictions um, to following that up. Obviously, you know, the, the challenges that we're facing aren't new. This is something that, you know, every industry um, faces and, you know, it's it's a, a well-known thing, you know, globally. Um, so it means, you know, given the distributed nature of some of these organisations and individuals and infrastructure and, you know, it means that we've got to work with multiple parties, which makes it all the more complex. But the longer it's going on, the greater the thing is that we're seeing the coordination and communication between them. I don't really want to go any further than that because, you know, obviously this is still very much in in progress and I don't want to tip our hand on it. Um, but other than to say, you know, we've had some fantastic information sent into us that's been very, very helpful. And also, you know, we've been following down a, uh, a number of leads and will continue to do so. But Matt, were you, uh, were you new to Bitcoin when you uh, were recruited by Ledger? Had you had any previous experience? Um, very, very minimal. I've got a, a very good friend of mine who's been into it for years, and and when I joined, he sent me this uh, this fantastic um, little graph. You know, price of Bitcoin when I first talked to Matt about it, and this was back in you know 2015. Price of Bitcoin uh. when Matt finally joins Ledger. Um, you know, it was uh, you know quite quite amusing. But uh, now my my background coming from you know very much traditional financial uh, organisations and institutions, so it's uh, it's been a 
fantastic learning journey for me. And and it's a once again, it's coming back to that uh, ecosystem of being able to provide financial services to people who traditionally have been you know locked out of that market. The freedom to know that actually I can control and look after these things, and it's all in my own hands. You know, very very exciting to me. Uh, it must have been a bit of a baptism of fire. Uh, some some very unique things about this industry in terms of uh, immutable records and uh, the ability to just move money, uh, essentially, uh, and, and instantly around the world. Yeah, and and um, not only a baptism of fire and some very uh, you know interesting concepts to get my around and being able to do that, but once again also very very exciting. You know the ability to, and knowing that actually it is immutable to know that actually I am in control and and when I commit that. Um, that that that's it. And once again, going back to, you know, I've, I've got to put the message out there, make sure you always validate, you know, the address that you're sending it to, you know, so because once you do that and, and you have pressed that button, that's it, you know, then it becomes a, a, a much bigger thing to uh, to try and unpick. And are you a Bitcoiner now, Matt? Are you, have you got skin in the game? I have skin in the game. Good man. Okay, so strange question when when you think it through, but could this happen again? Good question. Look, I think I'll take a first stab at this, and then I'll let I'll let the uh, Matt uh, as the expert, you know, speak on this. I think you know we're doing everything that we can so it doesn't happen again. Uh, and uh, we've been we've been working really hard over Christmas uh, last year, uh, uh, the first few months of this year. Uh, not just Matt, but like there is a whole team that is actually working on this nonstop. Uh, so so it never happens again. But, you know, when, when it comes to security, nothing is absolute. And uh, when we were uh, challenged with this, you know, the decision that we, that, that, that we took at the time was to, to invest a lot into increasing the level of security for our users. And so, you know, the best answer that we can give to the market, to our consumers, to our users, to our clients, is this. We're investing heavily into security right now, whether it's the product, whether it's the system, the process, Everything that we can. It's not just Matt. It's not a one-man job. So Matt is recruiting a team of, I think it's fourteen people now, that we're recruiting uh, uh, actually a bit everywhere in Europe. So if you uh, if you want to apply now is the time, and uh, and this is our commitment to to invest a lot to make this as secure as possible. Next up, Pascal and Matt will be answering more of your questions. But before that, I do have. A message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, we're going to kick off right now with the Exodus wallet. Now, if you listen to my recent show about the banks, the Fuck the Banks show, I talked about how I had had my bank accounts closed down by Lloyds, which is really annoying, but really exposed to me the idea that at any point you are at risk of banks doing what they want, stopping you accessing your money, which is why we need Bitcoin. So I'm increasingly moving my business to be Bitcoin-based. Now, it's not the entire thing, but I do invoice some sponsors in Bitcoin, and I do pay some suppliers in Bitcoin. And my accountant, bless her, she was always moaning at me. She was like, Pete, goddamn you, every time I ask you about what these payments are for, who they're to, who they're from, you never know. Please get that shit together. So I needed a wallet solution that I could have a good audit of my Bitcoin transactions coming in and out. And when Exodus reached out to me, I had a look at their wallet. I was like, cool, this does the job. You crushed the UX. I am happy to be an Exodus user. If you don't want to check it out yourself, though, please do head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores, which is E-X-O-D-U-S. Next up, we have Cast at the very best in Bitcoin security. Now, if you are sat on a decent stack of Bitcoin and you aren't custodying it, or you have it all on a single hardware wallet, it is probably time for you to start considering Casa. And I know what you're thinking. Do I need this? Isn't this going to be a pain to set up? Maybe some of you are thinking, what the hell is a multi-sig wallet? It sounds complicated. I know I had all the same questions. But honestly, it could not be easier to set up. And you get so much peace of mind by having a Casa multi-sig solution. Because a multi-sig wallet allows you to custody your Bitcoin but only move by signing transactions from multiple wallets. And once you distribute those keys into different locations, you are protecting yourself from a whole range of mistakes, errors, and vulnerabilities. Now, if you want, you can reach out to me. My DMs are open, my email is open. If you want to ask me about my experience with Casa, please do. But there is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get that total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. 
And lastly today, but never least, are my good friends over at sportsbet.io, who I love using to bet on Liverpool winning, and also to bet on Tottenham losing, and we can have a giggle today, because the clown show have just sacked Mourinho. <laughs> oh, God, Tottenham are so shit. Anyway, I'm also going to be running a competition with sportsbet.io soon, which I'm going to tell you about very soon. Oh, it's coming. I know, I know I've been promising it for a while. Please be patient. Now, if you love Bitcoin, you're going to love Sportsbet because they love Bitcoin. They are the best in online gaming and they accept Bitcoin. And with Sportsbet.io, you have every market you could possibly be interested in. They got football, they got tennis, they got American sports, motorsports, they've even got esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, please do head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is sportsbet.io forward slash promotions. So let's talk about data. How long are you holding on to that pertinent data, the, the email, phone number, address? So the, the answer to that, Peter, is it depends. So, okay. and and the, and the reason why I have to say that, um, you know, at this moment is because because of the the systems and the process flows that it works through. Some of those systems we can get rid of, you know, and and it's hitting there. Some of it we're actually even removing so that it's not even being used in the first instance. But then there is some of that data that we actually need to retain for a, a longer period of time. So, for example, um, were we to have a, a a recall issue due to a problem with a battery uh, within. Um, one of the devices, it means I've got to be able to go back through for the warranty period and retain some of that information. Not all of it, but we've got to be able to show as an organisation that we're being responsible enough within that bounds to be able to address those concerns. Once again, being really clear, we haven't had any warranty issues. There are no problems with the batteries. You know, that is all fine, but it's just being used as 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 an example that we can. But What's the maximum back- you, you need to keep for that? It- because you could, if you kept my email address, you could communicate that, but you wouldn't need to keep my home address for that issue, right? No, no well, co- co- correct. So the, then the issue is also then on the return. So we're we're looking, and and once again, this is the the challenge that we're setting is to be able to remove things like home email addresses within three months. You said home email address. You mean home address? So, so home, home addresses, correct? Okay. You know, so that that's the sort of thing where we're where we're setting the bar, saying actually that's where we where we want to get to. Now that's what I am driving with the uh, the, the systems and the teams for the developments and making sure that we're still able to meet our legal obligations. Now it may well be that we can't get rid of that because we've got to be able to show for taxation purposes that we sold this device to to a particular geography, a particular country, so that we can recognize that within those those locations. But what my commitment then is, is that actually we'll be moving that data into a segregated environment so that it's no longer accessible externally by the internet. Look, if I'd have to get down Almost to like a cold, state, it's like a like a cold wallet. Cold, yeah, exactly. So, you yeah. know, if I have to get down to the point where, um, you know, we'll, we'll actually take that and, and, and remove it and, and it will be put in an entirely segregated environment, um, if the most effective way for me to do that is to print the record out, delete the record, store it in a binder in a fireproof safe, you know, we're going to go down to that level of effort. Now, that's not what I'm suggesting we're doing at the moment because that's got its own problems with it. But, you know, once again, we're, all, all avenues are on the table and that's the, the kind of drive that we're putting forward to it. Could, could you not just keep country and remove home address? Or was that not enough for the tax authorities? Tax. Correct. So you have to keep the full home address. So, so, so there, there is part of that where we need to, to and once, once again, does that requirement is different based on country. Yeah. Right? See, so we often find a lot of the problems with data, whether it's what you're doing here or KYC AML. It's actually uh, the, the requirements from the uh, from the government and, and central authorities that are putting people at risk that they are require that companies are required to keep certain data. Correct. It's, look, it's a very complex problem. I mean, you know, some people try to wave it and say, you know, we just remove the data after three months and that's it. I mean, you know, for, for our business at scale, shipping products globally, I mean, we ship products in more than 200 countries. Uh, and so it is certainly, you know, a complex operational problem that we're facing, you know, uh, with, with that, like, you know, because each country adds its data protection laws. You know, if you take Europe, we have GDPR, US doesn't have it, etc. So it is a very, very complex issue. 
And if you want to run a business at scale legally, you know, you need to take those issues very seriously and go almost like sort of state by state or country by country to understand, you know, what are your legal obligations, et cetera. And so this is why, you know, we haven't, we, we didn't come back to the market, you know, overnight saying, you know, with a very, very simple answer, because honestly, the answer that I would like to give all of our customers is we actually don't really need your data. So if it was just me, once we ship you the products and we make sure that you can return it, etc., we'll just trash it because we don't need it, actually. It's not data that we need. It's not data that we want. And so the only reason why we're doing all of this and why it sounds complex is because we have these legal obligations uh, everywhere in the world. Is it legal obligations from the countries themselves or are these uh, French authority obligations specifically? They're okay. both, actually. French both. authorities have some, uh, some, some obligations. You know, when you ship, uh, if we take away the data problem for two seconds, like typically when you ship to the US, you ship in you know, more than one state. And so you have tax obligations in you know, all states that you ship the products to. You know, right. This is actually a complex problem. And so you have the same problem with sort of uh, data everywhere. So there is no, my, my own, the only point that I'm making is there is no uh, silver bullet here or super simple answer Mm-hmm. Because our answer otherwise would be we don't need the data and we'll be we're deleting it. What about if I want my data removed? Do you have a way for me to contact you and say, look, I just want all my records removed and are you allowed to do that? Correct. We we do have the way, and once again, within um, you know the, the the rights of the relevant legislation, if people contact through our customer service and say, and we you know we we've had a number of people do this, saying please delete all of our data. That once again, outside of that time frame and and within the bounds, absolutely we uh, we we do that and we remove those records. And you know what where and what I'm trying to do as part of the 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 data work is actually be proactive about that and go if we don't still need to hold it, get rid of it because the smaller the footprint that I've got, the less that I have got to worry about. But this, once again, you know, is, is just that, that challenge on being able to make sure that we can meet and discharge our obligations um, as a, you know, a, a complex business operating around the world um, and, and balance that with the rights of the individuals. But, you know, I would always go smallest, smallest amount of data possible works in my favour and that's what I want. Okay. I guess uh, I guess rebuilding trust has been one of the the big focal points for you for you guys as you know it's uh what happened was unfortunate and I I understand the frustration of some people especially if they're on the database I I, I wasn't actually on it um for whatever reason but I I am a ledger customer I bought my first two nano S's back in 2017 I'm still using one of those today uh, I I've always been a fan of the product but trust was an issue, so I guess I guess you've had a big focus therefore in rebuilding trust through the things that you've said now. You've said to me now the things you're doing. Uh, my expectation that that this is a, just a this will be something that will just continue. Yeah, but Peter, just one thing. So for you, do, I mean, typically you, I mean, you, or myself, you know, people have asked me like, so why don't you put your information online? You know, if it's uh, so easy for Ledger to lose it. Actually, you can find uh, my information online pretty easily, and I'm pretty sure that if we look hard enough, we'll find you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Company's house and, makes that easy. You know, and um, and so I think, you know, we, we all need to think sort of what that means, and, uh, and 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 the data leak is one thing, and again, you know, we we're talking openly here about it and uh, everything that we just said, but you know, equally, we we have to realize that. If people are, you know, know us and are really after us, then eventually they'll find us. And so we need to figure out like what it means for our security. Uh, and to what Matt was saying, where suddenly now we have ownership of the coins, and you know, so what is the security that we put around us then to to make sure that these coins stay safe? And I think you did uh, just after the incident yourself and and a few other people did a very interesting sort of uh, podcast around you know sort of personal security and how do you handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your privacy and your coins, and I think you know uh, what, what I suggest is you know we all need to do some 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 hard work uh, you know in order to understand what security means, and you know there is a lot of education. So, so we've made available you know a lot of documents uh, around you know uh, education around security. I think there 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 
uh, other pieces that exist online that are you know very good to read. But I think you know we need to understand also that there is a shift between the the web two and what we knew was security, where you know you trust your bank and basically your bank is in charge of your security. To suddenly you're you're in charge of your assets. I mean, it's as if all of us had now gold bars at home, uh, and so. So it means something else in terms of security, and we need to we need to worry about that. It's not mm. just uh, it's not just yes, yes, yes. You know, when 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 we open an app, we always go we click on every yes button without really looking at what we click. I think the security has completely changed, where we need to be very careful. So when you set up your ledger and or any other devices, you need to take the time. You need to be in a quiet room. This is not something that you do with the children. Uh, playing in the back, you need to be very focused. You need to read very carefully everything that is written. You need to do your own research, etc. So there is some uh, uh, some form of that that we uh, that that we all need to do. I think. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, somebody only the other week posted my home address on Twitter. Uh, somebody who doesn't like me or my show or for whatever reason, another one of these uh, angry uh, haters. But they were able to find that data because if you really search for someone like myself, it it, it is it's, it's not that difficult to find. So I've had to change things. I, I, I had to just set my security up, uh, thinking that someone could come to my house any day uh, with a weapon and threaten me for my Bitcoin. So you can't access my Bitcoin in my home. Like I've been very clear about that. You, mm-hmm. There just isn't the uh, devices here. And I talk about multi-sig, which we'll, 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 we'll talk, about, uh, talk about with you soon. Uh, but uh, I think multi-sig solutions are, are good. I'm a big fan of Casa, another sponsor. Um, I'd recommend them highly. I would recommend them if, if they weren't a sponsor. Uh, but I think that personal security thing is uh, an important thing. And I also think we're going to see a lot of more people move to using pseudonyms uh, it's too bit too late for me yeah. now, but I think a lot more people are going to move uh, towards using pseudonyms. Uh, but we did we did have someone put on Twitter earlier. Well, why don't all the ledger executives post their addresses and details online? Uh, I understand the point he's making, but I just that, that doesn't that's not a solution. That doesn't fix anything. That just that just adds to the problem. So I just I tend to ignore stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will raise though is that. A few times, and we t- we talked about this last time. People said, "Are you going to compensate people?" And I thought about that for a while, and I covered it with you previously. But I, d- I ran the math, and uh, even if you were to compensate everyone like a hundred dollars, that would actually probably bankrupt Ledger because of the scale and the numbers. So I, I, I never felt like compensation was something that would scale for the business or really achieve anything. It's not like you can pay for everyone to move house or such and such. But one thing I did think would be a good thing, and I I've, and I will raise it, is that I, I think it would be good for Ledger to be supporting and making contributions towards open source development, especially in the privacy area. How much time or consideration have you given to that? And sorry, I, I pressure everyone on this. I did it to Brian Armstrong at Coinbase. I did it to the Winklevoss. I like doing it on the podcast because it puts somebody in a bit of a spot. But how do you feel about doing that? Uh, you know, I think uh, I think we discussed it last time uh, also. So this is probably the second time that we discussed this. I think, you know, we are, you know, at Ledger, what we are trying to do is we're trying to sort of enhance the ecosystem security. Uh, this is what we do with the dungeon. We have you know, um, a team of white hats that are working hard on our security, but also trying to solve very difficult security problems for, for Ledger, but also for the rest of the industry and working sort of with, the, uh, with other security teams to make sure that the bar sort of always, uh, always increase. And so there is already a lot of work and it's actually very well documented online that the dungeon is doing to uh, to pro bono uh, um, and in, in, in a full transparent way, actually, which is very new in security because usually security is by opacity. And, and I think a lot of companies, including Trezor, have done a lot and Ledger to, some, to, to a certain extent, have done a lot to, uh, to, to make security less opaque and more sort of open. Uh, and, and I think we, we're all going in the same direction. And so there, there is already a part of Ledger that is giving a lot, you know, sort of for free to to the industry and the community to make sure that you know security ever increases. I, I, I think th- this question is probably the next show and the next interview with Ian Rogers because I think you know to that question, okay. Ian uh, has a lot to say and uh, and he's working on a lot of things right now, and so uh, and so it's probably a, a good question for him. But in general, the the you know Ledger wants to be 
a good player in the space and make sure that everyone is more secure in the future. I'm going to text Ian. You know I'm going to text Ian now and pressure him. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, look, uh, with Bitcoin at, what is it, like $64,000? It's fucking ridiculous. Um, and uh, heading to 100000 and we're a trillion-dollar market cap, probably going to $10 trillion at some point. I still think uh, one of the most important things we support is uh, uh, the the devs, the open-source devs working on this. So I'm going to... I'm going to text Ian and suggest some ideas to him. But I appreciate you being open on that, Pascal. Okay, another well, thing that's Peter, good. Peter, one, one more thing. You know, the reason why you should really reach out to Ian is because we're working on this, you know, sort of open platform strategy as we speak. And so, okay. you know, for us to build developers community around Ledger has been important in the past and will be critical for our future. So this is definitely a strong topic for us. It's just that I don't want to steal Ian's thunder because he's the one working on it. <laughs> All right. Well, Ian's great anyway. Me and me and him speak regularly, and I think he's a, a great uh, addition to the team. So I, I will speak to him. Okay. The next thing that comes up. This is a moving on from the hack. Just a, uh, another question, uh, and this has comes up a lot, and I think it's a fair question. What are what are your thoughts with regards to? Uh, open sourcing the code. What have you? Because you're not open source at the moment. Some people are. Uh, is there any reason that you're not? Is there any plans to open source the code? So Ledger right now is partially open source, not totally open source. The reason why we're not totally open source has to do with uh, our chip manufacturer because we have some obligations towards uh, their code, I guess. So it has nothing to do really with the uh, Ledger operating system that could be completely uh, open source and it has more to do with the sort of hardware security and the chip manufacturer that we work with, ST Microelectronics. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, I, I think, you know, for us, there is a bit of a mood discussion between, you know, open source and not open source, you know, because the question is, what is the most secure? And right now, I think, you know, Ledger has demonstrated, you know, a high level of security with our device. We are, we actually are the only certified device in the market, uh, and uh, you know that's that's worth noting. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we maybe there will be one day where Ledger will be 100% open source, and you know, but but that day will only happen if we are allowed by uh, the third party vendor that we work with, uh, and uh, that the device is as secure as. So for me, it's more of a, you know, is it secure versus is it open source completely or not? Okay. But here it's a bit of a religious debate, you know. Some people, know. Be, you know, they, some people will say, "Oh my God, like this is so bad!" Like you know, it needs to be fully open source in order to be true. But we we disagree, and it's okay sometimes to disagree. To disagree. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another question that came up, um, which is something that's out of my depth on, but your random number generator, um, how do you verify it's actually random? That's actually um, a, a particular component that is subject to specific certification. So that has actually been independently verified uh, as as part of the certification process itself. That that is a very very. Um, it's actually a very good technical question regarding the uh, the, the the actual randomness of it. But that is uh, independently verified. Yes, I, I always thought random was binary. Either it is random or it it, it isn't. <laughs> Something new you learn. Um, so, with regards to Ledger Live and the Android, what location data are you using, and what are you not using? Okay. So, once again, going back to the, uh, the the security discussion earlier, is the things that I don't want to be holding is things like IP addresses and 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 those sorts of records. However, for localization, where we're able to see that a uh, particular device is set to a, uh, a a geo country, that that's actually been set in the device, we will then use that for the localization for the the representation of it. What about coin control? Is that coming? That's something I learned about recently. I made a show with Shinobi, and I didn't realize uh, what coin control was, and I've learned about it recently. Is there any plans to offer that? Um, coin control, I think, is already operational in our experimental uh, mode. Uh, okay. And actually, there are many uh, Bitcoin features and coin features in general sometimes that are either available in experimental mode uh, and or available at the hardware level only, meaning that they're not available in Ledger Live. And so we try to be, uh, you know, we try to, to cater for two categories of users, the super advanced users and also the, uh, the new users that are coming into the market today. 
And there are some functionalities that are very important to the, to the power users, such mm-hmm. as coin control, uh, PBST, and so on and so forth, that are really uh, not top of mind for you know, someone that just uh, joined crypto and wants to have you know, the basic functionality of, uh, uh, functionalities of Ledger Live. And so our strategy, but also that's a good, good question for, for Ian uh, next time you speak with him, but our, what we're going to try to do is to make sure that the, uh, the advanced users have what they need. This is typically uh, why we have coin control and uh, we have uh, you know, the, the, the full node capacity now. Um, and you know, there is a roadmap of taking these novelties to, 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 to our users and to market, even if sometimes we're, we're a little late uh, to, to the party, but we're working on it. I mean, typically... Uh, PBST is something that we don't have today, but that we will have at the at the hardware level. But we don't intend to bring it in Ledger Live, for example, because we think that uh, it's uh, it's too much of an advanced feature. And so, mm. for the power users, we'll make sure that they can use it if they want to. But we won't bring it to uh, to the masses because we think it's uh, uh, in terms of UX, it's it's hard to make it work for. For someone who doesn't really know uh, uh, what it is, right? So uh, yeah, oh, look, so I appreciate that. I'm always fighting the UX battle, and it's uh, it's a conversation I have where where I think I have a, a quite a firm grip on what I think uh, new users are capable of and what takes people too far. And whilst there are power users out there who want these advanced features, I ju- I agree that sometimes it's a bit too far. I I, I guess. I guess personally, I, I would almost like the the power user version of Ledger Live, where I have these features available switched on. But I, I, coin control will be interesting. Okay, I, I'm going to take some notes. And Check have it some out. Of these, yeah, but I'll speak to Ian and, and some of these questions. Yeah. Uh, and another important thing is full node support. I know that's something you've been working on, and it was due to come. Do you know what the status is of that? It's available. People are using it. I thought it was uh, built directly into Ledger Live. Oh well, this is this is again, you know, this is part of the experimental features that that, that we're talking about. There are people mm-hmm. using it today, but it's not. I mean, we've released it. It is it is not a massive usage. It is limited to like a few hundred uh, people. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um, okay, just a couple of questions left. Then, Matt, in terms of fake resellers, any advice on that? How people can spot them? Uh, I would say, you know, make sure that you uh, you come through to ledger.com and uh, purchase through there would be the, the number one. Um, we're doing a lot of active work to to take down and monitor for fake resellers. That is one of the, the streams of, of very active investigation and, and closure that I'm I'm working through with the team. Um, but, you know, the, the primary piece of advice is, you know, make sure that you come through ledger.com uh, and do your purchase there. All right. And is there anything I've not asked you, Matt, that you wish I had? Anything you want to cover? Anything additional you want to add in before we close out? I think the only comment that I'd, I'd make is, you know, and, and reaching out to every one of Ledger's uh, clients and customers is, you know, I've I've joined recently. I've hit the ground running. Uh, I hear the concern, you know. I, I absolutely get it. And, um, you know, having worked and been involved in similar sorts of investigations over the years, I can understand some of these concerns. Um, you know, I'm not going to rest. The team's not going to rest. We're going to keep doing this until we can, you know, hopefully win back that trust from them, um, you know, and their trust is much more important to me than their data. And I'll continue to drive down this um, this avenue and this path and uh, look forward to, you know, engaging with them, the community, the entire ecosystem over the, the, the coming, you know, weeks, months and years. Brilliant. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Pascal, yourself, anything else you want to add, close out with any other final messages? I think all was said, you know, thank you again for having us, Peter. I think, you know, it's been important to me, from sort of day one of this data breach to, you know, quickly come on your show and talk to the community and, you know, say how sorry we were and what we were doing for this. So I'm actually glad that this is, uh, you know, the, the second show that we're doing just to, 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 to present the progress that we've made and, 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 and show that we care and that we've been working hard and that we have super talented people like Matt that are, you know, sort of helping us solve these, uh, these complex issues. Um, and so I'm grateful that uh, you gave us the platform and the opportunity to uh, to speak again today. So thank you. Well, well, no worries. I mean, as I said, you were you were open to any question, which was great. Um, 
And as I said, with the sponsorship, I had to consider it very carefully. Um, and one of those conditions was having this uh, uh, bridge between the community and yourself that any questions can be brought to you and, and you've honored that. So uh, I do appreciate that. Not everyone uh, uh, is going to be convinced or is going to be supportive of Ledger. But uh, as I said, I think it's really important we have a robust uh, a competitive marketplace for hardware devices. Uh, my multi-sig set up with Casa uses a ledger, it uses a cold card, and it uses a Trezor. And it does that for a reason, so I'm not reliant on one manufacturer. And that's really important that I think that all three still exist. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate the uh, open book. I'm sure we're going to speak again regularly. I'm going to follow up with Ian on a number of these items because I think it would be good to cover some of the features people want and some of the ongoing development. But, look, I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, uh, yeah, let's just keep the dialogue open. And, uh, Matt, now we have an open uh, dialogue. If anything specifically comes that I think needs to be addressing, I, I will come to you directly. Perfect, Peter. Look forward to that. No problem at all. All right. All the best, guys. Thank you, and uh, see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Okay. I hope that answered all of your questions. But if you do have any more, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I do also appreciate Pascal and Matt coming onto the show and asking what are some very difficult questions. I'm sure they are keen to leave this all behind them and focus on you know, growing their business. Uh, I think it's clear they've learned a lot from this and they've put a lot of new procedures in place to minimize the chances of something like this happening again. Also, thanks to everyone who submitted questions on Twitter. Sorry if one of your questions wasn't answered. I tried to get through as many as possible and I tried to put it in a structure so that we did cover all the most important questions first. If you think I missed anything, as I said, you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. You can also jump into my Telegram group. I will be there. I can answer questions that you have if you want them there. Again, thanks also to everyone who supports the show. If you do want to help me out, please do head over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. Hopefully you think the show deserves five stars. Hopefully. Maybe you think the show's shit. Maybe you'll go out there and leave me one star. Either way, please do go and leave me a review. And outside of that, if you want to sign up to my newsletter, that's at neveredit.com. That's your daily dose of tech, macro, and Bitcoin. All right, have a great week, and I will see you all soon. 